Good afternoon. Now, I, I say this each time I, I come up here um, to share the good news. I say to everyone, now, I'm accustomed to what we call call and response. <laughs> All right? Um, I, I, I can't handle just, I get nervous if you just look at me. Uh, you got to smile, say something back, wave your hand, say amen, hallelujah, thank you, say, do something. But if, if, if I say something along the way that touches your heart, touches your spirit, just say, thank you, Jesus, or something. Just, please do not just sit there and look at me like I'm entertaining you. Amen? Amen. amen. No, but I'm thankful for being here once again here to this great school um, called Asbury. I'm still wondering why I, I've been chosen um, to be the one, because I'm still trying to learn. I'm still uh, trying to look at some of the notes that uh, Professor Frymeyer shared with me, shared with the class, making sure I exegete the text properly or don't touch it at all. You know, I see, I was wondering if Mr. Miller, Professor Miller was going to be here, and I see him, so I hope I do all right. Amen. <laughs> But I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for being here. Uh, <laughs> I'm thankful. Uh, my daughter, who was excited this morning, who hopped up and said, Daddy, I'm going with you. So her and my grandson are here. Come on, let's give them a hand. Uh, I'm just excited. And I don't want to hold you up uh, too much longer, but uh, I'm going to try a little something different. Instead of reading the text over, I know when I was here, uh, I was trying to learn how I could just go right into the sermon without reading the text over. So I'm going to uh, try that a little bit today. But let us pray for a moment. God, help me preach in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I promised my daughter today that I was going to be a little bit more of myself. Um, when I come here to Asbury and preach, I'm very solemn and just, and so I promised her that I was going to be a little bit more of myself today. And she said, well, Daddy, you, 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 you're wearing this shirt. You may sweat a little and, and all that. I said, I won't go too much that far. Like, Have you ever heard that catchy slogan from Sprite uh, that says, image is nothing, thirst is everything, obey your thirst. In the summer of 1996, Coca-Cola, who manufactured, uh, manufactured Sprite products, was looking to change the image of its sparkling soda. Sales were down. The old campaign of I like the Sprite in you was growing long in the tooth and worse, wasn't catching on with this growing generation X crowd. We were looking for something hip, something fresh, something that would appeal to the younger generation, stated Coke spokesman Bob Burney. So Sprite contacted Lowe and Partners, a New York-based advertising agency known for its ability to appeal to the younger masses. After just, just one week, a surprisingly short turnaround for a campaign of this uh, proportion, a series of TV and radio advertisements based on the Obey Your Thirst motto was proposed and accepted with enthusiasm by the marketing team at Coca-Cola. The campaign was the brainchild, the campaign was the brainchild of this advertising executive by the name of Brother Donald. 
a longtime employee of Lowe and Partners. Uh, his inspiration for this slogan came, hear this, came uh, from an old political speech he had run across in his free time. This, see, these are his words. He said, I just love looking through artifacts of political history. I chanced this across this one particular speech. The speaker made an aside about his thirst that absolutely just stuck in my head. I felt that I could use it somewhere, so I jotted it down. A month later, when Sprite came calling, the match almost seemed too easy. In 1971, uh, former President Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, the governor of California, was addressing a gathering of the Boy Scouts of America on a particular scorching Southern California day. And as he heard conclusion, Reagan paused briefly to take a sip of water. Everyone noticed he was refreshed, and upon his returning to the microphone, he told the audience this. Now, I certainly have spoken on a number of different topics today. However, if you are to remember one thing, and only one thing, it should be this. Speeches are nothing. Thirst is everything. Always remember to obey your thirst. And my beloved brothers and sisters, I just stopped by Asbury this great theological seminary with great people to say this. In this day and age, you and I must obey our thirst. And we're living in a time where people are thirsty. I'm not talking about any kind of people. I'm referring to the people in the body of Christ. Christians, believers, saints, church members, churchgoers, seminarians, professors, denominations, they are thirsty. And not only believers, but lost people are thirsty for change. Can I get a witness? We, we, we are in a place where it feels like the body of Christ is in a spiritual drought. Uh, we, we, we now hear more about debates, divisions, and politics in the body than revivals, renewals, and transformation. Lord, help me in here today. We are now battling. We're now battling over what kind of church to be, tradition or contemporary, Republican, Democrat, or in, uh, independent, gay or straight, who's right or who's wrong, figuring likes in the church or not. What's accepted to wear on Sunday morning by the pastor? Clergy robes, suit and ties, or skinny jeans? What place our lovely sisters have in the church? Because we don't want to give them too much power. Somebody shout, thirsty. The reason we find ourselves in a drought is because we've gotten too worldly focused. Instead of being kingdom focused. However, however, this is nothing new. It's nothing new. Jesus himself had to deal with this, with this type of people in times like these. In our text, we see Jesus secretly walk into Judea on that great day, the text tells us, because he knew that the Jews were out to kill him. He goes there doing the Jewish festival, or the, we call the Feast of Tabernacle, or the Feast of Booth. 
uh, this festival that lasted seven days. I got to go here because I am at Asbury. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this festival that lasts seven days begin with the collection of palm and willow branches to be used as a symbol of rejoicing before the Lord. All of Israel would camp out in tents for the entire week, offering all types of sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord. And the purpose of the Feast of Booth was to remember the giving of the law and to renew the covenant made between Israel and the Lord. Here, here, here it is. At this great gathering, you have the Jewish people. You have Pharisees. You have uh, chief priests. You have uh, disciples. And you have other people that were there. Sick people, lame people, lost people, found all kind of people here on this great Giddon festival here. What was supposed to be a time, though, what was supposed to be a time of a great gathering became a great time of great division and confusion. When you get time, please go back and read chapter 6 and chapter 7. But listen here, you had some, some people that believed in Jesus at this time. Then you had some people that did not believe in Jesus. You, you had some that believe, um, believe but want to stay in favor with the people. Then you had those who wanted to be popular so they did not go with Jesus. They were afraid to speak truth to power. And can I pause right there for a moment? We are living in a time now you cannot be afraid to speak truth to power. You may not be popular, you may not be liked, but you're doing what God is calling us to do as believers and as Christians. Listen to the people doing this division and confusion time in this festival. Verse 12 says, who is he? Some say he is good. Others say, no, he deceives people. Some say, could this be the Christ? No, he didn't come from the right place the right place he didn't come from the right church he didn't come from the right race he didn't come from the right seminary he didn't come from the right political party are y'all with me right now uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't preach like we preach he's too loud he's too quiet lord help me today Verse 31 says, many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ come, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Jesus had had enough. And on that last day, he stood up and shouted, cried out, saying, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. I like how the New Revised Standard Version put it. It says, let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. Now, y'all have to understand, when I was here, when I was here, when I was here and taking preaching classes, uh, the class next door to us had a problem when I got up to preach because they knew that I was going to be loud every time. He says, enough of going back and forth. If you are thirsty, come to me. What's so amazing about this here is that he did not open this invitation to a specific group of people. It says, it's right there, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Church, it's time for us 
to function with this anyone spirit. It's time out for us to uh, put people in in sections, who can and who cannot. Are are y'all with me? Just because they look like you, you think that it's okay. Because they do it like you, it's okay. Believe like you, it's okay. It doesn't mean we need to put, we, we, we cannot put people in a box because if they had put people in a box, I wouldn't be here today. And this is a new group here at Asbury, so I might as well just tell you, when you look at me, you're looking at a young black boy who was great, who raised, who was raised up in the hood, who done some terrible things, who had gold teeth in his mouth, who had his pants sagging down. But one day, one day because I, I received what we call the spirit, I became filled with the spirit. I became renewed in my mind, renewed in my heart. And people loved on me just as I was and my life was transformed. So we can't look at how they are now but understand the same God that turned your life around is the same God that would turn your life around. Can I get a witness in here today? <laughs> it's so coming though. Here it is. I like it. He says, though, in the text, don't miss it. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And can I tell you, many of our churches, people are coming. (laughs) They are coming. But the coming is the beginning of the process. But we have too many in our churches that are coming but not believing And the reason they have not gotten to that place of believing in him because we are uh, filling them up with what I call with spiritual diabetes. We have watered down the word of God. That way we want them to like us more than we want to see that their lives are changed. I had a preacher, I just come out of district conference. He says, we have too many, uh, he called us prophetics. We have too much prophetics and not enough prophets. We're doing too much prophetic, prophetic, meaning terrible, not what God is saying, preaching, because we want to be liked. And we're at a time, you all, we have to stand up and stand on the word of God. And I sit here the last time that I stood behind this sacred desk, I talked about the times we were getting ready to go into. And that was a time where your faith was going to be tested by what color you were. Yes, I said it. What church you go to, what political party you were part of. And so now we have to take a stand. Are we going to stand for what Christ is standing for or what our race is standing for? Or what our denomination is standing for. Lord help me today. What are you? as? A, because at the end of the day. As we say in the church. We have no heaven or hell to put you in. We will not go. You will have to make an account on your own. Yeah. Not what part. I'm AME. I'm African Methodist Episcopal Church. Yeah. And I'm proud to be a part of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. But I understand though. But God has called me first to be a believer in him. That's just a denomination that wrapped their arms around me and loved me to life. 
See, I have this saying that I love to say now. I will love you where you are and allow God to lead you to where you need to be. Can you love him or her where he, he or she is while God leads them to where he needs to be? What I'm trying to say, we, we, we are now need to love people where they can get to a place and become filled because they are so thirsty for a change. And I'm closing. The other day, I had a, a young lady came into my office. I, I, please go back. Uh, Mr. Miller, I want to talk about that day, reason why Jesus waited for that great day, that last day. Um, that, that was a day that they had a ceremony, a water ceremony. It was about the waters and what they had to do. I, I don't have time to really go there. But Jesus was very intentional about that last day. He had just come out of chapter 6 where he did, did, dealt with and fed them, uh, the 5,000 5, people, with, with what he had. And he told them, I am the bread of life. And now he is talking about water. He's talking about water after this ceremony that they had to do. Now, y'all dealt with the physical. Let me help you with the spiritual. And we want to stay with the physical. We want to have the right lights. We want to have the right size building with the right sound system, with the right look. But yet people are spiritually empty. And Jesus says, here, I want to deal with, go back and study that on your own time. But I, yesterday, a couple of days ago, there was a young lady that came to my office um, that just started coming to the church. I hadn't joined yet because when I got there, she didn't want to come because she, she said to me, I'm not good with change. Her former pastor that was there was there for almost 15 years. And, um, and I always say every Sunday that I saw her since the New Year's, I said to her, I want to talk with you. I need to talk with you. I need to talk with you. She finally came to my office. She said, Pastor, I really don't trust people, especially preachers. And I said, okay. But I said, I just want to get to know you, and I want you to just to get to know me. And she began to share her story with me. And she said these words to me, Mother. She said this. She says, Pastor, uh, I was brought up in this church. My mother made sure that we were here every day for church school, for Bible study, on Sunday mornings for worship. I was brought up in this church. I know the Lord. I love the Lord. But one day around the age of 10, uh, I was violated by a male adult. When they violated me, it, was very, it caused me physical and emotional pain. What the hell, huh? And that pain that I have, I still, I still have it today. I, I, want, I, want, I want better. I want more, but this pain is still here. Therefore, to secure herself from this pain, she took a liking to the same sex and to drugs. Are y'all hearing me today? Nevertheless, she had been delivered from drugs 20-plus years now, but still wrestled with having a love for the same sex. She said to me, Pastor, don't judge me. This was just a couple of days ago now. She said, don't judge me. And I said to her, no, 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 I won't judge you. And this is the reason why. If you were to come with me to a family gathering in my family, you will see that I have all sorts of types of people in my family. I have alcoholics, I have drug users, drug dealers, have people that seem like they just lost their natural born mind. But can I tell you something about all of those people in my family? I love each and every one of them. 
in the midst of their problems. And the same way I love them, I may not like what they are doing, but I still love them because they are my family. In the same way I love them, I love you. Now hear me, I will not judge you, but as your pastor, when you do come back like the prodigal son and rededicate your life to Christ and to this church, I want you to understand, I will not judge you, but I will hold you accountable because you know when you know better, you should be doing better. And she said to me, Pastor Smith, I can respect that. I can respect that. And I said, thank you very much. But she said, I want to know something. How can I get better? Because she said, I know the life that I'm living is wrong. This is what she's saying to me. And I want out of this. How can I get better? And I said, let me just walk with you. But I can't get you out of that. You just have to open up and allow Christ to work on you mentally, physically, emotionally, and most of all, spiritually. What I found was a thirsty woman that only wanted to be filled with, with, with just knowing, but she wanted to be transformed. I don't know if you know what it's like, though. She said these words, what messed me up, Dr. Frymine. She said, Pastor Smith, you must help me. Because if you don't help me, and if I don't change, I'm going to die. And that, that's, that was her words to me. And it took me back to a place some years ago while in seminary and pastoring, a lot of hustle and bustling. I used to love to drink a lot of coffee right there in that lounging area and cranberry juice all the time. And one day about 2 or 3 o'clock, in the morning, uh, I start feeling tingling going up my arms, and my heart seemed as if it was racing. And it kept going on for a couple of days. And one night when my family went to sleep, I drove myself to the hospital to find out, because I was afraid, find out what was going on. And they said to me, after a few tests, they said to me, Octavius, your body is dehydrated. Now, I have been drinking plenty of coffee. I have been drinking plenty of cranberry juice. But still, my body was dehydrated. We go to church every Sunday. We come here week after week. Whenever it opens up and you, you just study to pass. You study to get a good grade. You don't study to bring about transformation. Too many of us are walking around just like I was, drinking plenty of coffee and a whole lot of cranberry juice, but still dehydrated naturally. How many of us in here, if the truth be told, you are spiritually dehydrated? You haven't spent time in the face of God. You haven't spent time studying to feed your own spirit and not to feed uh, Professor O'Kella. <laughs> We're the place now. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious, y'all. But serious, we have to get back to that place where we can have this living water. Just like the woman. I was like that woman at the well who went to that well every day to fetch that water by herself. 
And one day Jesus told her, I give you something to drink that you will never have to thirst again because he realized something was missing. What's missing? Not in your natural life, but what's missing in your spiritual life. And whatever it is, Jesus can fill it. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yeah.